Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the MBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership Channel. As well as new content, we are making available selected podcasts recorded by our hosts prior to joining the MBN family. This is one of them, and so this podcast may refer to itself with a different name and identity. Enjoy the show. What's going on here is beyond normal. It's completely extraordinary in a very positive way. Business brings the world together. It may be quite brutal, it may be quite you know, simple, it may not be very intellectual or, or refined, but there's something about the entrepreneurship. There are only two kinds of people, that the ones that are discouraged by failure and the ones that are encouraged by failure. And that's what makes the difference. It's Innovation in Europe by Project Kazimierz. Now another episode with your hosts Richard Lucas and Samuel Cook. Hello again, Project Kazimierz listener. My name is Sam Cook, the founder of Project Kazimierz, here with uh, co-founder Richard Lucas. How are you, Richard? Very well in the north of Italy, in the little village of Gamalero. Good morning, everyone. Oh, good evening, wherever you're listening, whatever time. <laughs> and Richard, uh, thank you for... Um, providing us all a little bit of jealousy from being in northern Italy right now. So um, actually, the, in, in my uh, historical um, context of innovation in Europe, that's probably the birthplace for me of, of the modern era of innovation last 800 years. So must be cool to be be there, uh, the birthplace of the Renaissance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, certainly. <laughs> and so, Richard, um, today we have a... Um, a uh, very uh, special guest. Every every guest is special, but um, we've been looking forward to this interview for a while with the founder of um, Brainly.com, uh, which is a uh, one of the big success stories in the Polish startup scene here in, in Krakow and Poland in general. And uh, Richard, I'm going to let you do a little bit more of a detailed in- introduction of Michal Borowski. Uh, Borkowski. Uh, well, I, I, I think I first came across uh, Mihal when he was giving a, a talk at one of our startup community events probably probably three or four years ago. I think it was a Hive event. And um, I remember then thinking, wow, these guys are, uh, have got a great, a great vision. We don't, we don't know each other that well, but you know, Brainly is certainly one of the, one of the most visible uh, startups from, from Poland and particularly uh, attracting uh, a pretty large investment round of almost ten million dollars and having incredible traffic on its on its websites they 're not all on the brainly dot com domain the major homework site for Poland I think is zadane dot pl but i I, th- I think that what's what's important to underline is a the the big vision this is a company from from Poland that's definitely up there as one of the leading the leading social learning networks in the world uh, and and b the fact that they're going for as far as I know going for growth rather than rather than monetization, which I always think takes a great deal of guts and very tolerant shareholders. Um, but I, I think it would probably be better um, if Mihal introduced himself, because as, as I said, although you know, he's well-known, he's successful, he's contributed con- to community events, and I know people who work for the company, I think he knows so much more about branding than I do that perhaps, uh, Mihal, could you, could you introduce yourself to the Project Kashmir listeners around the world? Yes, thank you, Richard. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm Michal, the CEO and uh, co-founder of, uh, of Brainy, which is the world's largest social learning network. Uh, and it works uh, pretty much like a Q&A platform, so students are coming there where or get stuck with, uh, with school assignments, and there is a huge community of students helping each other. Uh, we reach more than 40 million monthly users uh, from pretty much... Uh, all around the world. So our biggest markets are Russia, Indonesia, Poland, Turkey, Brazil, and then we have Latin America and the US market. Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, in, in terms of the, the, the vision, obviously homework, problems with homework is a, is a very sort of, you know, specific pain point in any any students, any school pupils' life, do, do, you, do you want to be like the category killer for that particular problem or do you have uh, ambitions to move sort of wider in the educational, educational space in terms of where you see the company evolving? Mm -hmm. I believe that the homework space is awesome because we uh, catch students' attention at the very uh, right moment so when they get stuck they need help, they, they are looking for uh, for more education, pretty much. Uh, but at the end, the um, brain is about democratizing the access to personalized learning uh, globally. So, uh, so for us, homework is uh, is just the beginning. Uh, we want to expand to uh, to all the other areas that that are focused on providing personalized learning. So we can imagine us like every student is is pretty much different. So they have different needs, and and uh, we believe that the best way to uh, to create the best learning experience is uh, is the community that we have at Brain. That's very interesting because I mean, I'm, as Sam knows, um, because he was involved in the TEDx Kazimierz project, and I've been involved in you know, TEDx movements in different cities in Poland and went to a couple of TED conferences, Salman Khan, who set up Khan Academy, has this sort of one video plus uh, learning modules, sort of one to many. When you say personalized, is that basically the idea? It's peer to peer, it's one to one, as opposed to one set of content addressing, you know, 10 or 100 or 1000 or a million, a million users. Is that what you mean by personalized? When we think about personalization, it's based on two pillars. So the first pillar is the knowledge base that Brainy is creating. Right now we have around 22 million of answered questions at Brainy that were reviewed by uh, our moderators. So you can imagine uh, machine learning that will be based on what users are looking for, what they are interested in, where they help, where they ask for help. And on the basis of that, you can suggest the right, uh, the right questions for them that uh, can help them to uh, to develop their strengths, but also can help them in the areas that they find uh, really difficult. And uh, on the other hand, brain is about community. So, uh, so if you face a problem where you need a, uh, a help from a from a person, then you can uh, go ask a question or or engage with the community. So, when we think about personalization, it's about both of these pillars. So, how we can create a knowledge base that is uh, inspiring for students to dig deeper and to, uh, and to look for more uh, interesting uh, topics. Uh, but it's also about how they can interact with other members of the community uh, 
yeah, to develop their their strong sides. That's very interesting. So it's in a way, it's a bit like the sort of help desk methodology, where if you see lots of questions in the same area, it becomes obvious which areas the students are finding challenging. Right, you, you get a sort of... Yeah. Uh, and how about your relationship with the, the world of pedagogics and teacher, teacher training and teachers? Because obviously one pupil helping another with his homework or her homework might, you know, it's, it's a sensitive area. Some teachers might say, oh, it's cheating or it's, it's somehow not right. And on the other hand, you're doing something which with the right attitude from teachers could be incredibly valuable to a teacher. Do, do, do you, have you... Have you run into objections in different countries to what you're doing, or do you find that over time teachers are coming around to the fact that this is actually what motivated students do when they want to learn rather than what, they, what, what happens when they don't want to do their homework and they just want to copy someone? <laughs> uh, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's very personal because I uh, really care about the opinion of the teachers from my high school, mm -hmm. and the opinion is uh, extremely positive. Uh, and, uh, and I love that. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and when you look globally, uh, because at scale you should look globally, uh, like we have around 700 volunteer moderators who take care of the uh, of the quality of the knowledge base of the questions and answers posted. And a big part of them, these are teachers who help us to uh, to improve the learning experience of Brainy. Um, so, so uh, like we see a lot of positive feedback uh, to what we are doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so, yes, I was wondering whether the moderators were just motivated students, or they were sometimes sometimes teachers. And uh, I, it sounds to me like it's both, right? It's not one or the other, but both. Sometimes it's highly motivated or motivated students. And, and talking about the motivation, you know, getting getting your volunteer community members to contribute to the project, you know, out of commitment to it what 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 are, what are their motivations to get involved what, what is it status is it feeling useful or do, is it like one thing that's really key for getting people to volunteer their time to help with the project um, so uh, our moderators they go through the typical user path so uh, the most common uh, journey is that they go to brainy to ask a question then they find that they can interact with others, answer their questions, they can develop their uh, uh, their skills, and then they start interacting with the community and they keep growing in the rankings that you can see at, uh, at brainy.com. And uh, sometimes they try to apply for, a, for being a moderator, sometimes we ask them to join the group, uh, but basically they go through this journey from asking questions, helping others, and then they uh, try to participate even more and more and more. So there are some very interesting markets like Turkey, where we have uh, 10,000 of people on our waiting list to become a moderator. So, uh, so we see that, um, that this combination of helping others, plus the status that they receive at, at, at Brainy, plus uh, the access to some uh, functionalities before the whole community receives that, this is, uh, this is very attractive for them. It's very, it's very interesting that I'm, for anyone listening who's you know, maybe thinking of applying for a job later, it's just the sort of thing that as an employer I would notice on someone's CV if they're volunteer or their resume, depending on whether you're American or European, uh, if, you're, um, if you put things like you're a, a brainly educational moderator or maybe a TEDx volunteer, 
on your CV. Uh, that looks very good. I think there's a, there's a community of developers called Slashdot, and people put their Slashdot ranking, which is how you're rated by fellow programmers for how helpful you are on their forums. People give their Slashdot score on their CV as a more important criteria than their degree grade at university because, uh, and you know, this, this sort of, the, the kind of person it shows you are is probably the sort of person you want to have in your company, right? Because it's yeah. someone who's helpful, someone who's thinking about other people. So this is happening right now. We see users using Brainly as a uh, as a part of their application process to their universities. So some, something that we believe in that at some point will happen. It's like part of the decision making process for universities to uh, to accept you your application together. It, it could be your your Brainly profile. That's how right. how you answered the questions, how many people you helped, uh, because uh, in some of the educational systems. And uh, mm, the activities outside the school are are extremely important, and and Brainly uh, is in that space and and can help students to to build their credibility in front of universities, for example. Okay, okay so this is a call to action for many thousands of listeners around the world. To you know, if if you are in education, consider volunteering. If you've got a family member, a, a child, or a cousin, or a nephew, or a niece. Who, who's thinking about what to do? Encourage them to volunteer and get involved in the Brainly community because I, th I think it's, uh, I think it makes uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, Sam, Sam, I've been talking a lot. Would you like to get involved in the conversation? <laughs> I feel like I'm well, talking too much here in Italy. Well, Richard, I, I think that you've given everyone. A, you know, I'm just sitting here looking at uh, Brainly's website, admiring the design and layout and the simplicity of it, and. Um, it was released yesterday. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding me. Well, for me, this is this is my uh, unfortunately my first um, visit to your site because I'm so busy working on my own. But um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I'd like to um, I'd like to dig in a little bit to your pathway to this point because everyone loves to hear a great success story. But um, what was it like getting to this point um, as a co-founder? I, I know this wasn't easy. Yeah, so uh, it all started when I was on the second year of my of my studies, and like before bringing up, I was engaged in a project that uh, that was pretty much Quora, but before Quora, uh, and that made me excited a lot about the knowledge sharing because uh, when you think about how powerful it is that uh, uh, people. Uh, puts into the uh, online knowledge base a piece of content that is pretty much knowledge. And then uh, like thousands of people can use that. Uh, that's just simpler than people talking knowledge to more people and to make sure that everyone has the same access. Uh, and, and on the basis of that thing, but also uh, on my experience at, uh, at my high school, I. Like we figure out, like it's it would be awesome to have a platform where you can go ask a question when you get stuck, when you have an exam tomorrow, and receive live help. But what's even more interesting is like how how you can then leverage on the knowledge that these people are creating to make sure that you can develop uh, that you can uh, uh, deliver a faster value to all the other users of the. Uh, of the same community, and uh, that's how Brainly was was created. So this was the combination of uh, of uh, 
my high school and my pretty much conclusions on, on what was happening at the high school and why it was awesome in some areas and why it was pretty bad in other areas, but also on the previous, uh, previous uh, ventures that, were, that I was engaged. So you, are you your co-founder? Um, what was what was the story behind you and your founder deciding to actually do this? And and did you ever imagine you'd be sitting here with a, a venture capital backing uh, investment and reaching a global audience? No, at the beginning the idea was just simple, based on like Polish educational system. So uh, I met. Ukash and Tomek, and that was amazing because like we had a discussion for one hour about the idea, and then we said, okay, let's let's do that together. Uh, I, I was pretty much amazed how how fast that uh, uh, that happened. Uh, yeah, before Brainy, Ukash and Tomek were we were working together on some other projects, and and that's how we met and we decided that we want to be uh, business partners. But something that I believe is very interesting in our trio is that uh, every one of us had uh, totally different skills. So Tomek was this brilliant engineer. Wukash was the guy who had uh, who, who has the time for uh, for sales, for talking about uh, uh, about what we are doing. And uh, I was uh, trying to put the knowledge uh, about how we could do the product development, strategy, direction, vision, etc. So, so I think that at the beginning, the team was very strong because we had uh, not every of the competencies, but all of the crucial competencies that we, uh, that we needed for, uh, for our start. And uh, I believe this is one of the biggest mistakes when you think about founders that you try to look for people that are too similar to you. Uh, you should try to find people who are different, uh, but in a positive way. And at what point did you, and you know, this, this site right now is in English. Was it originally in English or Polish when you were starting in the Polish market? No, it was in Polish. So, uh, so Brain is organized in the way that we have local services. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Poland, we have Zadane.pl and in Russia, it's Nanya. At some point when we saw that it's getting global, not only like local or multi-local, we decided to create one, uh, one brand and that's, that's Brain. And do people from these local brands, do they jump up to Brainly to uh, participate in the, the English-speaking forums? Or is that something that, you know, especially in Eastern Europe where you have most people do speak English by virtue of education system and also the, the small number of people in many of these language groups that n- need English really to operate in a global market? Um, do you see that happening? We see that happening in the group of moderators. So uh, when we launch a new market, they are willing to help to because we need the time to to build the community uh, when we start the new market. So uh, so these guys are amazing and uh, and just want simply to help and and that's how you can uh, see their uh, the moving between between the local versions. When you think about the um, the whole audience. Uh, educational system uh, is based on your uh, national language, so then they uh, tend to stick to the uh, to the local platform because this is the best place, uh, best place for them. Uh, something that we find interesting is how we can leverage on the uh, on uh, language learning at the brainy. 
so at some point we want to create this connection between the local versions and then uh, student important will be able to ask a question in English and receive a, uh, an answer and help from, from the student from the United States. And we believe that uh, once all of the local versions will be big enough, that will be an awesome additional network effect at, uh, uh, in our current product. Okay, so I'm looking at your website, and this looks a lot like this other website I know called Google, um, where it's, it's a very clear call to action, which is just a search box. And I have to ask you, who's powering the search on your site? How do you organize your information? You're, you're, you know, Google's mission is to organize the world's information, and your very clear um, call to action here is question everything, answer everything, and then answer, you know, ask a question about a school subject. What, um, what do you use to organize this massive database in multiple languages? Uh, so we partnered with a French startup that is called Algolia. Uh, these guys are incredible. <laughs> and so they're doing your search? So or? like Algolia is a SaaS company. So on the basis of their technology, we built some additional uh, algorithms that help us to, uh, to get uh, uh, to get very specific about about our product, and this is awesome in Algolia that they let you to do that tweaks to the search algorithm that they provide to make sure that you can adjust the search functionality to uh, to what you are doing. Uh, but like the brain search is something different than you think uh, uh, when you compare it to Google, because when we think about search at Brainy, we think about how fast we can deliver uh, the value to our users. So at the beginning, like it was all about asking question and receiving an answer. And uh, usually, you re you receive an answer of brain in ten minutes, mm -hmm. in less than ten minutes. But still, it's ten minutes. It's fast, but what's faster? So, so, it's, so it's, faster is to search. So this isn't a Google like you don't you don't when you type in the search result or the the question. This is actually sent to the user base, and then they answer it. So it's two behaviors. So, so basically, we want to deliver the answer as fast as possible. So uh, the whole flow is organized in the way that if we have that question, you can uh, you can uh, you can find it and read through the content. Uh, but if it's not there, there is just one click to pause that question. So this is kind of mixed functionality of searching and asking a question. Uh, because for us, it's not about searching or asking; it's about getting an answer. Uh, and we are all the time trying to, to decrease the time that you need to find what you are looking for. And then the other similarity I'm seeing here is you have a community of 10 million? You said 10 million users? No, it's 40 million users. 40 million users. So you have a, a cross between Facebook and Google here. And I'm sure you're aware of that. <laughs> um, community plus search. Um, you know, Google tried this. It was called Google Plus, and they didn't do so well. So um, I'm, I'm very interested in what your long-term strategy is and, and when you'll be noticed by some of these bigger internet companies. We are doing what we are doing and focus <laughs> on that. So I, I don't think about that options. If the option is there, so you haven't, it, you haven't been approached yet by any of the bigger companies about your user base or your methodology? We are approached but by the... Some of the big companies, not the one that you specified, but mm -hmm. we, uh, we receive uh, acquisition offers quite frequently. Okay. Uh, 
So, Richard, I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up to you here because I just took the floor for a little while looking into the business model. Um, what strikes you, Richard, about this? As an investor, you're you're much more experienced investor than I. And um, what do you see that's attractive to this about uh, international investors? I, I don't know what what your exact funding strategy is throughout the the course of, of this. But Richard, what business questions do you have? Well, I, I, th- I think that the comment I have is that there's clear, not exactly winner takes all, but this commu- there's a very strong network effect that the more, the more people involved, the, the better the quality of the, of the answers, the, the faster the answers. So I think it's a highly defensible Provided, provided your, um, the team at Brainly, and I know, know a few people who work with in, in the organization, provided there's this high-quality uh, community management, high-quality support, high-quality moder- moderation, keeping up standards, you know, it's going to be hard for someone to come in and be better because part of the quality is the existing community. Presumably, that's an important part of the Brainly, the Brainly story, right? That, that was a question, Michal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I just switched the sound setting, so he, yeah. might, he might have. But um, yeah, Richard, you know, Richard's question there, Michal, was about um, it's, really, it's really hard, just like after Facebook took off, for anyone to challenge you guys in this because of the network effect and the first to market on it. Um, but what do you see your competitive landscape as? Because your competition can come out of nowhere just like you guys did. And also potential partnerships and um, people who are making acquisition offers. How do you see yourselves growing through this? Uh, so, like, first of all, we look at our competitive advantages. So, I think that Richard explained the whole network effect really well. So, the bigger the knowledge base gets, more users, more users, bigger knowledge base, and uh, and that's how it's uh, uh, it's growing. You can also add quality to that. So, then you have a multiplier of. Uh, of the def- defensibility of, uh, of brain. Uh, when we look at competition, uh, I, we need to divide competition into two areas. So the first one are social networks. So then you can think about the companies like Snapchat, uh, WhatsApp, Messenger. So it's, it's uh, in a big part of Facebook. And uh, when you look at the other space, it's education, then you can find the companies like, uh, like Czech in the US or Socratic. Uh, but also you can find a lot of local competition. Uh, so when we think about the educational part, we don't have a global competition. Uh, I think that we are uh, unique uh, when you look at the educational space, uh, but there is a lot of local competition and, uh, and we face that uh, every day. Globally, uh, we think about Facebook, uh, Snapchat as, uh, as uh, kind of competitors because they because we compete for time, but they compete for the time that is not educational. So you, you're really straddling three markets. It's, it's, um, you have a little bit of a search going on, you have a, a social network community, and then you have education. And while Facebook, obviously, there's no competing against them as a social network, you're not trying to, you're just trying to have an educational, social learning experience, which you've, yeah mastered uh, arguably much more than Facebook can because their platform is is not built this specifically. Yeah, but like how we think about community is that uh, like we try to make learning fun and when you think about what kind of learning is fun, it's the learning where you when you sit uh, with a group of your friends 
and you are trying to develop a solution together because you have this combination of social interactions and education. And then you are having fun, but you also are doing a great job. So this is pretty much the same as the team workouts uh, at your companies. Uh, so so we, believe, we believe in this combination of educational aspect and, and social that Brainly provides, because then you have the, the best uh, learning experience. And, and presu presumably also there's a kind of psychological effect that, you know, if someone's sitting down to do their studying, their homework, being on Facebook is pretty distracting, right? And, you know, there's a kind of psychological step that if you're sitting down to, to get on with your school stuff, you'd probably feel better firing up Brainly or one of your local language sites because then you're clearly working, whereas, you know, anyone who's on Facebook, you know, clearly they might be working, but it's very, very easy to get distracted when you're in the Facebook environment, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that because I, I see, you know, I see, uh, you know, I use Facebook for communication about work sometimes, and I know that some younger startups are using Facebook for communicating with clients. But it's it's very hard to focus, and it's also hard to hard to what's the word? Let anyone else believe that you're working if your boss sees you on Facebook or your employee sees you on Facebook, <laughs> they might think, "What the hell are you doing? You're setting a bad example." Yeah, Richard. Um what what questions do you have as a as an investor and because i'm i'm very interested in the monetization and the um the eventual exit strategy here i mean you know everyone says i'm going to do this forever and if you're passionate about it i really think you should but at the end of the day uh what keeps a business alive is 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 profits and and delivering value to the shareholders so uh, what point are you at in that journey, Michael, and how are your investors feeling about the, the path overall? And Richard, maybe you'd have a few insights or questions as a experienced investor here. Yeah, yeah so I, I think when you're um, Jakob uh, Pivnik, your PR uh, media relations guy set up, you're setting this up, he asked some questions, and it seemed to me that, you know, while you've got the mission of growing and, and being big, you don't have to and you've got happy investors or supportive investors, you don't have to worry about monetization. But I was concerned about the, you know, the potential impact on your volunteer spirit in the community once you start at some stage looking at um, a business model where you're, you're charging people, whether it's you know, through advertising or, or content. Or, I'm just wondering whether you're ready for that now or you know when, it, when you're going to start looking to make, make revenue. So right now our main focus is to scale uh, internationally with the main focus on the US market. And uh, when we think about what is possible for us to achieve based on the historical data uh, plus our, uh, our ambitions, it's to bring Brainy to the level of 100 to 500 million monthly, monthly users. That is uh, pretty much the size of Twitter. Um, and uh, this is the target that we are focused on, how we can uh, scale to such a large number of users, but also how to increase their engagement. Uh, and uh, yeah, and this is, this is the, go the goal. So uh, when, you, when you talk to investors, it's kind of like a recruitment process. Uh, so you are trying, but they are also trying. So this is a verification on both sides if, if you are aligned. So when you think about the right investor is someone who believes in, uh, in your strategy, someone who can help you to, uh, to improve it. Uh, but basically, you want to go into the same direction. So uh, between uh, 
us and investors, there is a clear understanding that we need to focus on uh, on the global scale and how to bring Brainy to every part of the world and to make sure that we are winning the U.S. market. The monetization right now is uh, is not the focus because uh, like that that would just simply distract us. And I believe when you look uh, at all of the social networks, it's 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 the same model. There is one winner in the space. And uh, you should be focused on being that winner. You cannot distract for a local maximum of, uh, of earning some money to show the traction. You should be focused on, on bringing that to the winning position. Yeah, and, and it seems to me that that does, that does make sense that you know, if you've got the leading, leading social network for people wanting help with their homework, you know, and, you've, and you're, you're clearly up there with the leader. This is a time when people are really paying attention, and whether it's through, you know, sales of, you know, school textbooks, or whether it's through sales of online courses, or whether it's through, you know, sales of, you know, scholarships to Harvard. You know, the, you know, if you've got the position where, you know, a significant proportion of the students in the world regard you as the go-to place for their for their homework, yeah, I, I, I think as an investor. That that's a place that you'd like to you'd like to be. So, but you know, presumably that's the kind of conversation you can have with an investor. You say, well, when when we've got to that, did you say five hundred million or one hundred million? I didn't I didn't hear. Was it five hundred million? Or it was between three hundred and five hundred. Three hundred million. When you when you when, when you hit that target, you can say, well, you know, when we're in that position, there will be plenty of monetization options, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and I think that with that scale, there, there are a lot. Uh, but something that I believe that the smart companies did, it was how to put the monetization into the model, but uh, without uh, distracting the users. So like, when, uh, when we speak to the companies like Facebook or, uh, or Pinterest, we see that they've managed to build the model that is uh, Often improving the experience, especially Pinterest. It's a, it's an incredible company, and and uh, like the promoted pins that advertisers pay for, uh, these pins often have like better quality than an average of the of the pins that that Pinterest has. So then, when you think about the value, it's a win-win situation or win-win-win because uh, advertisers is winning. Uh, Pinterest is winning as a as a company, but users are also winning because you just enhance their 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 experience. So we see that this is possible, and there are companies that manage to uh, uh, to do that. So uh, we are not extremely worried about that. Uh, we uh, we look at the space, we analyze the models, we talk to the companies that potentially could be uh, could be our acquisition targets. Uh, to make sure that we bring that uh, that uh, skill set to to our organization, but there is no rush on that. This is this is this is not our focus right now. And and, and that that is very interesting because I think and you know as a long term resident in Poland, who you know is very happy to see Polish success stories despite not being Polish by birth anyway, more by uh, Poland's adopted me or I've adopted Poland. You know the fact you're benchmarking against global. Global good practice, global best practice, sounds very, very is very optimistic because I think the big mistake that some 
some Polish and Krakow or European companies make, they want to be the best in the country or the best in town. But if you're looking at what Pinterest are doing, you know, you're benchmarking it's the best in the world, which is, which is the right way to do it. And as an investor, <laughs> that would make me happy. <laughs> Thank you. And, 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 and also, you know, as a monetization idea, the idea you could have sponsored educational content, you know, maybe a maybe someone like you know Stanford or you know some of the best schools in the world could be interested in you know having some of their their scholarship students or whatever contributing you know being guest moderators or whatever where you know they establish their brand by being the most helpful or whatever so that that in a way they're paying to be visible in your community or stuff like that so there could be quite a lot of lessons there i think mm-hmm. Well, Michal, who who are your investors, and how many investment rounds have you been through, um, and how many more do you need to conquer the world of education? <laughs> so the first part of the question, uh, we raised uh, uh, an angel round. Uh, well, I forget when it was. It was before 2012. <laughs> uh, in 2012, we raised our seed round. It was half million dollars. And uh, we raised our Series A um, in October last year, and that was $9 million. And that's everything that we raised. Uh, so, of course, at the beginning, it was bootstrapped. Uh, me, Tomek, and Lukasz, we put some money uh, to make sure that we can, uh, uh, that we can start. Uh, so that's the, uh, that's the fundraising history of Bailey. Um, when you look at the future, like for sure, we need uh, we want to raise the B round, but what's next? It's uh, uh, it's uh, it's not defined right now. Uh, it's the same like an exit strategy. Uh, I've never received that question from investors about like what is your exit strategy because uh, uh, because uh, I think this is not the most important thing. Uh, for us right now to think about maybe that this will happen at the level of the Series C or something. You've never heard the question or answered it or they've never asked it? <laughs> I've never heard that question. I don't know, maybe they asked that question between each other, uh, yeah. but uh, I see that uh, that they just know that stuff. So if, if, if they are able to understand the model, then they can define the exit strategies because I think this this should be the the knowledge that is brought by the investors to the company. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so if someone listening to this in in Silicon Valley from one of the big the big the big funds, they know that when they talk to you, they shouldn't discuss investment strategy because that, that <laughs> sorry exit strategy because that will annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> I think this 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 may be different between the uh, like uh, markets like market segments. Uh, maybe that question makes sense in uh, in e-commerce or uh, in SaaS businesses. Uh, in in social uh, in the social space, uh, like I've never heard it. And 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 if someone listening to this thinks, great, you know, there's going to be a B round. Um, how long have they got to get in touch with you? How long does your current funding last? And you know, at what stage will is it by the end of 2016? You'll be needing needing another round, or is it? Have you got longer than that? Sorry, I cannot comment on that. <laughs> the investors probably don't want the answer to that question. <laughs> okay, but okay. Well, I'll rephrase that. If someone's listening and thinking, "Great, there is a possibility to get involved," and they are you looking for? Obviously, you're looking for not just money, but some kind of value add. Are you looking for more with people with access to tons of traffic, or more people with like educational 
educational industry, um, you know, if you have got a priority for who you'd select, would you like technology or people or know-how or traffic? Because presumably, presumably all are interesting, but there may be particular priorities for you. Uh, so, when I personally look at investors, it's uh, it's the combination of a couple of factors. So the first one is the understanding of the strategy, and if you want to go into the same direction. Uh, second uh, factor is uh, how they can be helpful in uh, recruitment processes. So John Catale's partners are uh, lead a around investor. Uh, they did an amazing job. I don't know if they know that, but uh, but when we look at their process of closing the deal with us, uh, that was an inspiration for for the whole recruitment process of Brainy. So we've built on top of that our process. They always like challenge us to uh, to try to to get the best candidates and to uh, and to focus on on hiring a lot. And I think this was uh, this is an incredible value of the best uh, of the best investors that they have the network of uh, of people uh, who who could be interested, but also that they can refer to you the the best people in the world in that in that area uh, and help you to uh, to make sure that uh, uh, the talents join your company. Uh, and I think these are the two the most uh, the most important. Then also you have the network of uh, uh, of their connections, other funds, uh, uh, interesting people uh, like CEO coaches, and uh, uh, and everything that is uh, important to be done in the background to make sure that your company is uh, is successful. Uh, so when I think about yeah, I would say these are the these are the most important things. Okay, and, and if someone with deep pockets who would give you a high valuation is listening, should they just get in touch with you? Is, is, the, is, 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 is it still worth it, or is the yeah, what, what would be the, the what would be the process if someone did want to to, to try to, to to put some money into the into the company? I, I love to meet, and if someone is listening, then like I'm happy to to receive an email and then make sure that we. Fly, uh, that we connect. Fly to Krakow and uh, come view, visit this beautiful city and uh, stop in on Richard and I too. We'll maybe put a little high 53 together for you, let you speak. <laughs> Polish love to show up when a foreign yeah. investor comes to town. Yeah, be, be, be careful because Sam always wants his 3% introduction fee. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. But I'm, also, I'm making you, a ton of money off of this right now. So. I, I, I'm... <laughs> You mentioned the CEO coaching, and obviously the company is quite big. Maybe you can tell us how many employees you've got in a moment, but how many team members. But you know, when running a larger organization is quite a challenge compared to a smaller organization. Which bits of running Brainly do you like the most, and which bits are the, the, the biggest challenge? And are you happy doing it for the long haul, or do you see a certain stage where you might you know, bring in some... Yeah, Harvard MBA or some you know more experienced big company guy to help you help you scale up to a bigger a bigger level. Mm, so like, this is the question of my personal development. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this is part of the discussion during every of our board meetings when we talk about how uh, how Adam Nutrition Power can help in uh, in the development. And uh, I have uh, like 
I meet with a coach that is a very experienced CEO of one of the publicly listed companies in the US. And uh, he helps uh, to, uh, he helps me to put some framework of thinking, like what are the best practices, how they solve the, uh, the problems uh, in the past, because uh, investors are awesome, but they have a very specific perspective. So you want someone who, who is able to help you with uh, um, work that uh, person the best understands uh, uh, because like he so, went through it in the past so, so, so he is the, the best so you, you need to set up a brainly for entrepreneurs where you can get more publicly listed CEOs who are willing to contribute <laughs> online homework. I, I think like I always like my personal thing was always to maintain like a limited number of relationships because like I'm introvert so I'm not like um, awesome person who like contributes a lot of re relationships but I, that's why I believe that this focus with one person uh, to make sure that you improve and that your company can improve uh, I think this is this is a huge benefit and uh, the introduction to that person was done by by Adam from General Catalyst and I think that this was one of the most important decisions this year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in terms of what you like and don't like about the job, um, I mean, you don't have to answer this, but I'm, I'm quite, it's, it's, really it's a different story to run a larger company than a, a small startup and you're, you're way beyond the small startup stage. And I just like, which, bit, which, which bits, which, which working days make you feel great, it's going to be a great day because I really enjoy, enjoy doing this and which bits do you find the most challenging? Hmm. I think like... Everything is great. Uh, like, there's, like there are, Wait a minute, you're not Polish anymore. What's uh, going on, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, for me, there are very challenging days. Uh, so when you need to make like hard decisions, uh, but hard that means difficult for me. Uh, like, what is the next step? What should be the direction? When you try to make sure that the team is aligned, uh, but it, this is like a positive. Uh, Positive change. It's not like a, uh, it's not like a bad change. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So like, there are a lot of difficulties. There is a lot of pressure for sure uh, from the market in general, from investors, from the team, uh, and uh, as the CEO, you need to know how to manage that. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is this is something that I love. So. Uh, so I'm happy to face that. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm delighted to hear that because you know different people. If, if you if you love the challenge, that's also very good news for your good news for your investors and your your co-founders. And um, obviously, obviously, presumably, Brainly is already quite a valuable a valuable company. So on paper, you're you're wealthy. I, I guess you may have answered this question already but uh, do you see yourself like retiring to a desert island at some stage and just living the life of luxury or do you would you be happy working as hard as you're working in 10 or 15 or 20 years from now because it can just be great but like like you know the ceo of uh, facebook seems to be very happy doing what he does he's not retiring even though he obviously could in a nanosecond he's so wealthy but do, do you see this as your life's mission for the the rest of your working life or how, how, how long have you got <laughs> a very existential question there. <laughs> I like asking big questions. There you go. So I really love the, what Ella is Ella Made is doing about the um, 
understanding of the balance in your life. So for me, running your startup is about like years. It's not about the next weeks. So you need to try to keep uh, to keep your balance, but it's extremely hard, especially during the fundraising process. It's it's very challenging. It's hard, uh, and you need to be prepared to that. Uh, but keeping the balance is uh, is uh, is extremely important. Uh, but w- when I think about me personally, uh, like you, you can find the um, the founders of the companies like Mark Zuckerberg, and they are very attached to the to the initial company and how they manage the. The things is that they evolve the company uh, over the time, so they build new ideas, and uh, and uh, but they are focused on that one one thing. But then then you have the examples of other uh, of other founders, like the founder of Uber. Uh, he created some companies in the past. These were pretty successful exits, like uh, tens of uh, dollars of millions of dollars. Uh, at some point, he created. Uh, uh, Uber. So, so he was extremely successful in the past, and every new company was uh, uh, was uh, better executed, and uh, and he could uh, achieve uh, achieve more. So, so I think this is this is a learning process uh, for me personally. It was always uh, important to make uh, to make a difference to improve something. Uh, so this is this is a big thing for me. Uh, it's not about the exit. Uh, it's it's all about how big influence the product has on the uh, on the community of students globally, and uh, if that influence is visible, if we receive the positive feedback from students in the first place, but also from the whole educational environment or not, and and this is this is this is the thing that uh, that is the most important, like to make sure that that it's your passion, and then all of the other things will follow. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very clear. Well, uh, thank you for that. I'm, I'm, I'm quite curious. Do you see yourself leveraging the position you're going to have? And suppose you deliver on your strategy in uh, getting up to the 300 to 500 million million uh, users as, as you want. Um, would you jump into other educational markets, or would do you think it's better to just focus on this one core problem of homework? Because and clearly there are choices, but what's your gut feel? Do you think it's best to be really good at one thing or to spread into other areas like, for example, educational content or, or, or teaching or online courses or stuff like that? So we think about personalized learning that is fun and everything that is connected to that is uh, in our uh, area of interest. Uh, and that's how we define the, uh, the direction right now where we want to be in a couple of years. Uh, so, so when we think about education, it's not only homework; it's everything that is connected to personalized uh, uh, learning. Well, maybe you should keep in touch with Sam then, because the sort of digital, you know, the, the teaching people about how to monetize education and um, and uh, courses. You know, his his other business, the triathlon research, is there's a podcast, there's content, and then there are events, and you know, certainly I see. Uh, down the line we're going to be interviewing a, a British comedian who uses podcasts to 
podcast to gather an audience for his comedy shows and obviously education about comedy is certainly <laughs> fun so I, 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 I think that you've got, it's more than a niche uh, yeah. we like the word edutainment education as entertainment and I think that as people are flooded with more and more choices of how to spend their time things that are not only interesting but also develop them is, is such, a, such a big and important area in the, in the way the world's evolving I don't think you're ever going to I don't think you can possibly retire actually <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think the sea of education is is pretty vast in terms of both scope, uh, revenue opportunities, and and more most importantly problems to be solved. Um, I think education is one of the last industries to have started the great disruption that technology is introducing to the modern world, and uh, it's about time. Um, and I think there's a lot more of it to go. It's if you if you look at Colleges that have been around for, I mean, Jagiellonians, 650 years, and and Harvard, uh, um, by far the most stable, lucrative business model out there is the university system and education. And um, I think they need to um, probably be disrupted a little bit. And it'd be interesting to see how they respond to this online uh, movement that has taken so many other industries by storm. And uh, I'm very excited to see what, what the future holds for um, you know, education. Yeah, talk, talking of time, clearly we're, we're coming up to the end of our time, but Michal, do you have, could you challenge some of our listeners? Because obviously there may be some people for whom what you're doing is just like obvious, they're going to log into Brainly, create an account and start helping or, or, or um, asking questions. But for, for people who aren't particularly connected to this world, what, can you challenge them as to why it, why it makes sense for them to get involved? What, what, would be your, what would be your challenge to a listener who's not necessarily someone who's automatically going to need Brainly today or this week or this month? Okay, I, I won't challenge, I will make a promise. So when you, when you put an answer together and you click this answer button... This is one of the best feelings during your day. So you should try it and, uh, and see how awesome it is to help others. Well, I actually created an account while I was waiting for you guys to, <laughs> to, get, to get together, so I'll do that. I've actually I've done Yahoo Answers in the past and occasionally Quora Answers, so I, I do agree that somehow you know, being helpful is one of the, the, the best deals you can have in life because at the end of the day you always have to look in the mirror <laughs> and think what did I do today and any, any act you did during the day that was helpful to anyone is one of the things that makes you go to bed a little bit happier than you otherwise would so uh, from my point of view I, I, I'd say that's a, that's a very very not a challenge but a very strong recommendation so um, if any of our Listeners, decide to do that. Please post on our, our comment thread on our website, give us the, or on our Facebook, give us the feedback that you've done that. Because then, at least, Michal, you, your shareholders will know that you you spent some time contributing to the Brainly course this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, Richard, uh, I think I think I'll um, take this one home and and thank you again, Richard, for um, joining us all the way from Italy. I know that was tough work this morning getting up and. Uh, going for a swim and enjoying the Italian countryside like you are. Um, back from Poland, it's still great weather here in August of 2015. So, um, But, uh, you know, I think this is a, a really um, – I've certainly learned a lot. Just it's so evident, and that's what I love about great websites is it's so clear what's going on there. I didn't need to ask Mikhail for all those observations I made about 
this because um, it's just clear and and I think um, their their goal of disrupting education is is amazing. Um, not disrupting it, but really improving the experience because um, they're obviously not trying to put schools out of business, but help teachers get better and students. So, um, and it's awesome to see this happening, starting in Poland and and mastering the different languages quickly, as there are many in Eastern Europe, and then going to the United States. I think um, it's a great business strategy, and I've certainly learned a lot. And f- and finally, relating to Mikhail's challenge. Um, the dirty little secret I used to say about teaching was the teacher gets to learn the most. And while it does feel great to help others, you really, at the end of the day, you get so much benefit from if you can explain something, you truly understand it. Um, and I think that's probably one of the hidden secrets of Brainly is how smart you get tutoring other people and you know the resume benefits and all the other things we see. So I think it's a brilliant idea. I know that the time I spent teaching for three years um, at the military academy in, in West Point, in the United States, was definitely one of the highlights of my professional career um, because of the opportunity to mentor and give back to people. So, if you haven't had the privilege of doing that, Brainly is a very low barrier to entry way to do it. Although they're picky and, and only have great people doing it, I think it's a great way to do it without changing your entire profession of whatever you're doing and going into the teaching worlds, which I uh, fortunately had the privilege to do and highly recommend it for your own learning and your own um, just feeling of civic pride and helping the next generation. So thank you, Miko, for joining us. Uh, Richard, thank you. Thank you as always. And finally, thank you, Project Kajimish listener, for um, investing more of your precious time in uh, understanding the, the startup scene in Europe, the hotbed of innovation, which I believe is centered in Krakow and Poland, and is, is going to provide a major future for uh, Central and, and all of Europe in terms of the startup community and, and the, the future of um, really European market in terms of their contribution to the uh, age of technology. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for showing your support for innovation in Europe. Tell other innovators about the entrepreneurial movement by leaving a review in iTunes. For detailed show notes and community updates, visit projectkazimierz.com.